it's JC again with the You Made New podcast. We are on episode 16, Confessions of a People Pleaser Part 2. <laughs> this one, I've been kind of thinking a lot about this week because I have felt very prompted to just get really real and just kind of bare my soul a little bit in this one. So it's kind of funny because you do have that little voice in your head like, oh man, I'm so going to be judged. <laughs> but you know... I don't care. I, I think we're at the point in in earth life that if we don't all start to get really raw and real and authentic with each other about what we're struggling with, and maybe even the depths of it at times, I mean, how are we going to know that we're not the only one? And just to have someone else say, this is where I've been, and this is where the Lord is bringing me. And so that's my purpose today. Please um, let me say up front also, I, I'm not a therapist, not a trained counselor, I am just a girl who came to Christ and said, I want a sound mind. Heal me. I can tell I'm broken. Um, and in fact, I didn't understand the depths to which I was broken. I, I you know, I can tell I kind of had my stuff. But as he and I began this process to, together, I don't think I had any, like, I couldn't even fathom how deep it was going to go. He was going to not leave one corner untouched as we've been talking about. So today, I'm going to just tell you a little bit about my story. I'm going to continue in the lines of people pleasing. Um, you can call it whatever. I mean, we kind of joked last episode about stuff and smile, like stuff your feelings and put on a smile just to keep the peace. Or you could call it a peacekeeper. You could call it, I'm just nice. I'm kind. I'm just no drama. You know, we can paint it with a lot of different um, brushes. But in this episode, I'm going to just kind of go back and, and just show you what happened in my life. I It was funny, after kind of all the stuff in episode one, as I was beginning in my, sorry, not episode one, season one, that's kind of where the Lord started with me, body image, food issues, um, all of that that we kind of talked about. And, and when he began to set me free from some of those things and break chains that I had carried for decades... It was such a phenomenal experience that I literally was on my knees going, okay, what else? Like, I know that's not the only messed up place in my head and in my life. What else? Show me what I don't see. And this area that we're going to talk about today was one of those that I did not see very clearly. I didn't understand. It was just kind of playing around on the edges of my peripheral. It was there. It was kind of aware, but had no idea how much... This was affecting me. I'll just call it my people pleasing. It's it's something that for me started very, very young. In fact, I can't remember life without it. I think this is my conclusion. <laughs> I think just as soon as I hit mortality and began to experience the afflictions and trials and adversity, I learned really, really fast that this was a good coping mechanism that could protect my heart um, from a lot of trouble. I think, I think my people pleasing, the more I've, I've really dug into it, I think for me, and yours may be different if you struggle with this as well, there were, it was twofold. There were two big things fueling this coping mechanism in me. One was that I was just hungry for love, just trying to fill out void, trying to get approval, validation, to be seen, to be valued, cherished, and, and praise of, of men, the praise of others, being popular, being liked, being loved. I mean, of course, that appeals to a child's mind. And it's something I just grew up with. I'm the nice girl. I'm the one, you know, that never makes any waves. 
that never causes any drama. Oh, everything's great. Yeah, that'd be fine. I was always agreeable. And it did win me friends. Like it was a pretty peaceful way. I'm going to put that in air quotes <laughs> to to avoid a lot of drama. But I think the bigger thing that was fueling it was fear of confrontation, conflict, confrontation, drama, um, yelling, arguing, fighting. I as even again at a young age, I get a physical response like I get my husband likes to call it a punch in the gut. I just get this. Oh, if there's any sort of tension, I just hate it. I just squirm. I I don't I don't do well. And so, of course, I was going to naturally gravitate toward just stuffing my true feelings if it would help me avoid that sensation that I hated so much. Because to me, you know, stuff your feelings, it seemed like a small price to pay to have peace, right? It's fine. No, no, no. That would be great. And the cost, though, it that I didn't even realize until adulthood was stuffing those feelings didn't mean they went away. I just had to stuff them very, very deep. And I'll talk more about that. It's not like I could just stuff them and they'd evaporate and and I could just move on my, my merry way. They were still down there and they had a way of manifesting themselves. So um, that was the reality of it. But honestly, I did not see this for what it is. I just thought, okay, I'm just you know, I'm just nice. I just like to um, make people happy. I could I could <laughs> describe it a lot of ways that sounded very Christ-like and very um, Christian, very compassionate, very loving. But the price I had to pay to accomplish this, it was not coming from a sound mind. I did not know how to have an opinion. It dawned on me, it's funny, so maybe I just ought to jump ahead a bit. I Again, as I began to pray, and to be to ask the Lord, show me this, like show me. And he began to spotlight this thing in my heart. It's like I had this panoramic view for a while of my life and looking back on, on certain scenes with new eyes. And I was actually really shocked how um, unable I was to have an opinion, to even know what my opinion was. I had buried it so deep and this coping mechanism had such a lock on my heart. That I didn't, I didn't even know how. Let me give you some examples. I, I was married really young. I met Greg when I was 18. We got married when I was 19 at the end of my freshman year and very young and insecure and immature as most of us are at that age. But I was so wanting to win the heart of this um, sweet groom that, that I had. And so I was very, um, caught in the throes of people pleasing for for him. I wanted him to be happy with me. I never wanted there to be con- confrontation or or issues. And so looking back, even like first for example when we went shopping for a ring, I don't even remember having an opinion. It was just, "No, no, that's a pretty one. Oh yeah, that one would work too." I was just so vanilla, so generic like, "Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay, what I was just, I, I couldn't even really have told you what I liked. So we ended up with a ring. It was fine. But um, after we got married and the, the jeweler attached the wedding band to the ring. So now it was a two part. The way he did it, he kind of had explained how he was going to do it. But when he finished it, I didn't like it at all. I didn't like it at all. But again, young, deep in the depths of a people pleaser in my subconscious. I wasn't consciously doing it. It was so deep in my subconscious. I saw it. And I look back now and I think you didn't even let yourself have an opinion about that ring. You didn't like it, but I wouldn't even let myself acknowledge 
that I didn't like it. I shoved that down so quick, put it on my finger. I didn't want to hurt my husband's feelings. I just didn't want to cause a fight or a conflict or, or offend him. Um, and again, some may hear that and think, are you kidding? How hard is it to just say, no, I, I don't like that. We need to get that fixed. It seems so simple, right? But this had such a grip on me that the rule in my mind was you cannot say anything unless it's positive, happy. Otherwise, you bury it. That is the rule I lived by. I'd given myself so subconscious. It was so subconscious. I didn't consciously put that into words. It was just what fueled my actions and choices and responses. Unless it's, it's something good, you will bury it. And so I buried that and, and wore that ring for a very long time, never letting myself even admit to myself. It's not like every time I looked at the ring, I went, oh, I hate that ring. It was buried so deep. It was just my ring. I had buried it, stuffed it, not even understanding that I was doing it just to avoid a conflict. Um, another example that I saw, again, not until my 30s, it was just funny looking back at my wedding For example, I had chosen, I loved, my husband and I both loved royal blue. We still do. And we chose that as a wedding color. It's funny. My girls now choose whole palettes, but of course we just had a color. (laughs) Um, And I remember one day my mom called and and said, I'm having a hard time finding a dress in that color. Can we just shift the colors? And um, she just wanted to know if we could do mauve, which is kind of like a purpley, pinky color. And it's funny, years later, I can say, JC, you hate mauve. Why did you say yes to that? But it did not even occur to me to have a simple conversation like, no, mom, I really love blue. That's why Greg and I picked it. But instantly that rule that I'd set for myself just kicked in. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. If that would be easier, mom, go ahead. You can change the color. Again, I didn't have a reaction and feel anger inside like, oh, I don't want, I don't want that color. I didn't even let myself feel that because the people pleasing was so deep in me that it was just like automatic response. You just be agreeable. I had taught myself to do that. And I look at the pictures now and I think, how, how hard would that have been? But obviously too hard. It was too much for my little soul because the risk was too great. So as the Lord began to teach me about this, um, again, I was floored. I just thought, this is not a sound mind. No. Someone that can't even have an opinion for herself cannot say no to someone. I mean, church work, uh, not just with your spouse or your kids or your extended family. I mean, there's just being able to just calmly say no without completely falling apart with guilt. Like, oh, no, they're going to hate me. They're going to be so mad at me. Like, it would just tear me up. I couldn't do it. And so I looked at that and went, I know this has to be healed in me. I This is not the kind of mind that I want to function out of for the rest of my life. I want to be able to give voice to those feelings and know how to do that. And I will tell you, this has been the battle of my life. I'm still working on this. But with the Lord's help, I really began to see some progress. This is what began to happen. It's just kind of funny to me how it unfolded. And that's why I want to share this because I think others may resonate with this as well. As I sought for that sound mind, I thought, okay, I'm going to start, you know, I have to start somewhere. How can I express myself? It's good. So the, the prompting was start with your ring. That's a perfect small little place to practice. It's with your husband who loves you. 
you need to bring up your true feelings about your ring. And I'm telling you for like days, I was like, I can't, I can't <laughs> see. This is where I'm. <laughs> so oh, people are probably like, are you serious? That was that hard. But again, our coping mechanisms can go so deep and, and have such a tight hold on us. Yours may look very different, but some of these things that we've used to survive once we try to step out of that comfort zone, I mean, it shook me to the core, just the thought of having this little conversation, but I have never prayed about anything more. Like, Lord, give me the strength to do this. It should be so easy, but it's not for me. It makes me emotional just thinking about it. It's not. I'm scared and I don't want to hurt his feelings because my husband is extremely sentimental and I knew it would bother him. So other men may say, yeah, get a new ring. I don't care. But Greg is really, really sentimental. That's the ring he chose for me. Like we chose together and and so I finally did. I got up the courage and I talked to him about it and it, it bothered him. It did. But the Lord was kind and he strengthened me and was like, I just told him, Hun, can I look for a new setting for my diamond? I just really like, and I got the joy of actually going, wait, now what would I like? Just full on permission to choose whatever appealed to me and not worry about what other people think. It was kind of a liberating experience. Problem was, it still continued to kind of bother him. He would tease me every once in a while with kind of this tongue in cheek, like, yeah, since you rejected my ring. <laughs> but it gave me a chance to stand in that place, having voiced my opinion, and be at peace with the Lord strengthening me. Like, no, you're not going to crumble. He cannot agree with you, and it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Um, it, it was just a very new feeling to me, but I... It encouraged me enough that I thought, okay, I'm going to continue down this road. And I began to pray for strength to voice my opinion more often. And I'll tell you what struck me. I really believe deep down in my heart what I believed was going to happen is because I'm expressing my feelings, the Lord's going to protect me and I'm not going to have to face rejection. The whole reason I'm doing this is because I'm fearing rejection. I'm fearing conflict, fearing confrontation. He'll protect me from that. No, that's not how it worked. <laughs> I, uh, again, as I was getting a little more bold and a little more, um, or at least learning to have a voice within several months, I actually had devastating conversations with two people I loved very much where I was harshly rejected once I spoke up and spoke my mind. The opposite happened. And I remember feeling so hurt, like, Lord, I'm trying to go in the direction where I'm, I'm following you and you're supposed to protect me from this. And so the answer was kind of like, JC, I never said that I would protect you from your fears because see, if he keeps our fears from happening, if we say to him, okay, I'll obey, but your job as God is to keep those things that I fear so much from happening. Cause see, that's what my coping mechanism used to do. So if I'm going to set that down and trust in you, then that's your job. You cannot let me face rejection. I can't survive it. You can't let me face confrontation. I can't survive it. But that's not the rule. That's not how he plays the game. That was the game I came up with. But he allowed me to experience deep rejection, um, difficult, very difficult com confrontation. I see now that it was a tender mercy. It was like, JC, if, if, if you still stay in the fear of that thing, then that thing has control over you. You're still in bondage to that fear of rejection. But as I gently pull you into the space where you're going to experience it, and oh, I did. It was devastating. Guess what I learned? I mean, I was like, wait, I'm okay. He was with me. 
he was strengthening me. I'm not saying it was easy, but I'm still here. And I suddenly went, oh, it's not going to kill me. And when I used to say, oh, I can't survive that. I can't survive that. I did. And I'm fine. And I began to learn that the importance of healing my mind and bringing me to a place of a mind that's renewed and restored and made sound wasn't in him taking over as my coping mechanism. It wasn't making Christ my new coping so that I could still avoid those fears. It was in stepping out under the dominion of those fears and allowing him to help me rise up so that I could face them and with his help, not be debilitated by them anymore. Does that make sense? I don't know if I explained it, but boy, it's been a light bulb moment for me. A light bulb moment. Like you don't have to be afraid of these things. Your worst fears may happen. That's never been a guarantee of life on earth. But I'm here. And that changes everything. I know it's not easy for you. But together we can do this. Now what's been funny is it's been a very slow process for me. Because again, so uh, so often it's subconscious. Like it just, I, I was laughing. I caught myself this morning. Even doing the same thing. I was thinking about something that's really been troubling me. I haven't, it's been just something that I've been working through and trying to process, but I don't like thinking about it because it gives me that same punch in the gut. I just, oh, I just, and I felt, I didn't even notice it for a minute, but I felt my mind wanting to push it deep, deep, deep down so I wouldn't have to think about it anymore. Just wanting to repress, wanting to stuff that because that's my old pattern. I just don't like this. I'm putting it out of my mind. And I started kind of laughing like, oh my gosh, this one is, is taking a while for me to unravel. But at least now I notice I do it. I mean, 10, 20 years ago, I would have just stuffed it. Been like, nope. And, and I would have lived by those internal rules. Now, this is the one thing I have realized, though. I do think at times our ability, our human mind's ability to repress or to set things aside and not deal with them right now can be a grace. Sometimes we go through things that are just so emotionally huge that at the moment we just, we don't have the emotional energy to process it. A death, I mean, so many big, huge things that I think there is a, a, a grace to us that our brain has the capacity to do that because sometimes we can just shelve it and go, you know what, I'll look at that when, when the Lord has me in a place where he and I can do it together right now. I'm just dealing with this and this and this. I'm okay with that. I'm not saying that any repression is bad and any stuffing of our feelings. And we should always just let people have it and tell them what we think. (laughs) He's gently bringing me to find when to speak up and when to hold my tongue, when to deal with something, when to shelve it for a little while, and and then pray for the ability to work through it as I am able. I, I just think he is gentle in his reworking of us. Sometimes it's harsh, but sometimes I think it's when we, he knows that with his grace, we can abide it. But then at times he's like, okay, okay, that was plenty for today. (laughs) Just chew on that for a while. And that's been my ongoing process of people pleasing. One small step at a time, watching my responses and beginning to allow myself to have feelings and to know that even if It causes a huge confrontation, a huge family issue, a huge issue at work. I used to think anytime I do that, I'm not acting like Christ. It's not charity. 
I'm, I'm learning otherwise. And, and that's the reason we're going to do part three. We're going to do one more episode on this and kind of dive deep into this idea that to be Christian is to always never, never, never have conflict. Never, never, never make anyone upset. Never offend anybody. To me, that was Christ-like. And we're going we're gonna to talk more about that because he shattered that in me. Taught me very quickly. No, no, no. You're not looking at that the right way. Look at my life. Look at this. Look at this. So we're going to go through that in the next um, episode. But I, I hope you'll just humor me with this episode and just kind of letting me share a few things that I know I'm not the only one. We, we women especially have very nurturing hearts where we want others to not be hurt and we want things to be good. And especially in our families as we deal with a lot of dysfunctional stuff sometimes. It seems so much easier to just repress it and just tuck it away and just put a smile on for the sake of the family. And and as I came to, to Christ, his answer with me was like, no, JC, that's not a sound mind. Stuffing is not sound. Authentic, real um, feelings are okay. Sometimes it was anger and it didn't mean I was supposed to vent it. It means I was supposed to not stuff it, but bring it to him. Does that make sense? We've kind of reached the end of our time. I... We are, like I said, I'm ready to launch into part three, but we'll get there. We'll get there. If you aren't a people pleaser, again, let me just invite you to look into your own subconscious, to maybe get on your knees and ask the Lord the same question I asked him. Like, what what don't I see? What in my mind needs to be reworked? What bondage needs to be broken? What chains still hold me? And I don't even realize it because it's buried so deep. I really believe he'll have answers for you that might surprise you as much as mine did for me. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope it was helpful um, and that you are enjoying your own journey of coming to Christ and being healed and made new.